Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. I am so excited today to have my podcast guest on, Lisa Washington. Woo! <laughs> I'm so glad to have you on. I just want to say thank you to each of my listeners today. Thank you so much for joining us. But we have an amazing woman, an amazing friend of mine on the call with us today. And so, Lisa, I, um, I would just love it if you would just take a moment to introduce to our audience who you are, who are your people, what are you doing, what is happening in your world? Awesome. Well, Lolita, my sister and my friend, thank you so much for the opportunity to just share, to share with women, uh, men, friends and family alike. Um, I appreciate it and I don't take it lightly. So as my sister said, I am Lisa Washington. You know, I consider myself a, a wife, a mother, a friend, a sister, a woman of God and, and faith. And I just live my life um, every day like it is my last day. Um, God is first and foremost in every thought, action, um, desire that I have. And I just hope that I can shed a little bit of light and encouragement to someone else who needs it today and the day after and the day after. Hey, <laughs> I'm talking about. I love it. Uh, thank you for bringing the energy today. Yes, yes, because yes, we need that. And although this is, um, it is, it is not, um, it is a, it is a story of overcoming, but it can often be challenging when people are, um, are going through and navigating your particular situation. So we're still kind of trying to keep it a secret right yeah. now, but we can now open it up. What is it? <laughs> so um, again, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. But audience, Lisa is a survivor of breast cancer. And navigating life is uh, with Coach Lowe is all about stories of overcoming. My friend has gone through the fire, through the flood, and is still winning in Christ. And so Man. I said, go girl, get your fight on. Yes, and you have won. Amen. <laughs> So yes, yes, yes. And so today we are here to encourage you, the listener, the, the caregivers, the, the family members, the person in particular who has been touched by breast cancer, wherever you might find yourself in the cancer community today, we just want to be an encouragement to you. But this woman right here, Lisa Washington, she is no stranger to overcoming and so we just say thank you. Um, Lisa, I, I just want you to kind of help the audience understand what your life was like prior to you um, being diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow, wow. That, that's a great question, Coach Lowe. You know, I was um, very, I was early 40. In fact, I had just turned 40. And I had been having mammograms since I was about 35. 
Um, I was a mother of three children. I had twins and a son at the time who was about three or four. I was at the top of my game in corporate America. I was an executive in the learning and development space and had done that for 15 or so years. I traveled a lot. I was very involved in my sorority. I was involved in my church quite a bit. I had been married 20 years, maybe, maybe a little less. Um, you know, I felt like I had it going on, you know, all going on. And I, I actually remember a young lady on my staff who had just lost her father. And she said to me one day, man, you just, you just have it going on. Nothing ever happens to you. Nothing, you know, so I don't know if that was like the, the come before the fall or what that was. And it's not like I was um, braggadocious in any way, but I was thankful and people knew I was thankful and I walked and talked a certain way. Um, so I just felt like my life was going well, spiritually, um, financially. Um, it was going well. It was going well. And then, and then boom, yeah. what were the circumstances around you discovering this was it a lump what tell tell us yeah. what what were the circumstances around your discovery right so um as i mentioned earlier i had i think i did i had been having mammograms since i was 35 because i had a maternal aunt who had had breast cancer and so i was not new to having mammograms my 40th birthday couple months before my birthday, I knew it was time to have my mammogram. So I said, well, you know, I feel a little lump. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I probably should get him to check it out when I go. And so I went and I had the mammogram um, because I had a lump and I was concerned. And so we did the mammogram, you know, it's quick. Everything looks great, Miss Washington. We'll see you next year. And I was like, but wait, I, I feel a lump. It's it's right here. Feel it. And they was like, oh, we didn't even see that on the mammogram. Let's do a sonogram. They did the sonogram. They saw the lump. Um, they tested it a couple of days later. And then I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So when they called me and said, hey, Miss Washington, it is cancer. Good job. You found it. We'll get in touch with you on next steps. And I'm like, are you sure you have Lisa Washington's file? Because I'm like, surely that that was not it. Because, you know, I had prayed, you know, I had called in my probably just a sis, five or six, it's not, you know, and I'm just like, are you sure? I'm sorry, sweetie. We are sure it's you. So my life stopped at that moment. Wow, that is a powerful statement. Your life stopped. Can yeah. you help us to yeah. can you help us to gain perspective around what stopping yeah. looks like yeah. for you? So um, for me, as I, I mentioned with my husband, my children, my job, the busyness, right? The busyness of life and just doing things that I've always got something to do, somewhere to be, something to plan, something to participate in. But then when you receive a cancer diagnosis, your life stops because nothing else is important other than getting you whole and healthy, right? Right. 
or, you know, ready to meet your maker at that point, right? Because now we're thinking, okay, well, oh my gosh, cancer, man, am I ready? You know, am I ready to go? If, if right. that were to be the case. So, so nothing else matters. So, so my life as I knew it, it stopped. However, little did I know my life was just beginning. Beautiful now. I love that. <laughs> because it's like, okay, yeah, it stopped. But yes. now I got a new assignment. That's, That's right. what I heard. Yes. I have a new assignment. I have to fight for me. I have to fight for my family. Yes. I will win. Yes. And so I just, I love that mindset. See, I got a little background. So I already right. know. You already know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I love it. And you know, I, I wore my t-shirt for my sister today, y'all. Tough I girl. love it. Yes. Fight strong. That's right. Yes, yes. yes. That's right. Go to just mm -hmm. watch you navigate the process and not only navigate your personal process, but yeah. to just help so many others mm -hmm. to overcome the fears that come with uh, the onset of any kinds of diagnosis, yeah. but to understand what that experience is like and that your life does kind of crash. It's like right. you hit the wall and it's like, hey, this life just got real. That's right. You know, right. and so yeah. uh, oftentimes people feel like once they hear cancer, the term that that is just life is over with. It is right. the end. Right. So what speak to that for us? Yeah, that that's so powerful. And you're so right. And so I would say to anyone who is faced with a cancer diagnosis to get your DFI. That means get your data, facts, and information. Because oftentimes, the way that we were raised and just the way that our parents and grandparents and all, they, they didn't really talk about a lot of things, right? And so it's important for us to understand kind of where we are with not just cancer, but any kind of diagnosis. You know, I look at cancer as something that comes to kill, steal, and destroy your destiny. So you may not get a cancer diagnosis, but you might be depressed. You might have a problem with um, drugs, um, alcohol, anything that comes to kill, steal, and destroy your destiny can act just like a cancer, right? It, it comes yeah. to destroy you. And so that, that would be my challenge to people. Um, hearing the word cancer should not stop you from living your life. It should propel you to live your life. There, there is life after cancer. It is just one of those things that you go through to ensure that you fulfill your destiny for God. There, there are tons of stories of people in the Bible. If you want to go to science and research, if you want to just talk to your fellow man that have been healed drastically, there have pe been people who have been healed with medicine and chemotherapy because we need the doctors, nurses, and medicines for all of that as well. We've had people that have been diagnosed a couple of times and they've surpassed that. So I don't want people to get so hung up on cancer and feel like it is a death sentence because truth be known, 
it is a life sentence. And I can say for me, I, I would not wish what I went through on my worst enemy. I would not because it, it destroys your body. It can attack your mind. It could do all kinds of things. But I know for me, I am a better person because of it. And for people to have seen me walk through that, it's a beautiful thing. It's Agreed. a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. I, I absolutely agree. So um, when, I, when I think about this and I think about the age of your children, uh, at that at that time because I was around. Yes, and you so, were. You yeah. were there. <laughs> I know, right? So I was around and just, um, so I'm just going to say from my perspective, mm -hmm. I think that you handled it with such grace and class and, uh, and it was just, it seemed to be a very, good transition for your children. Help us to understand what it was like having to share that piece of information mm -hmm. or did you share it? How mm -hmm. did that look? Bring yeah. us into that time of your life when you have already been, uh, you're, you're clear, you understand that this is something that I am up against and now you have to share this information with those that are closest to mm, you. Mm. That's, that's so good. Um, you know, certainly when, when I was diagnosed, um, there were probably, outside of my immediate family, um, there were less than five people that I even told in my circle because you can't tell everybody everything. That's a whole nother story. But for my children, my twins were 12, maybe 11 or 12. And then my youngest was four or five. Um, initially, I didn't want to share it with my children because I didn't want them to know, right? I, I was trying to hide it. I didn't want them to feel a certain kind of way. And my mother in love who moved in with us for six months while I went through all of my treatments and everything, she said, they, they need to know. They need to go through this with you. And I remember specifically one of my twins, she was quite emotional, um, Kayla at the time. And she just mm -hmm. said, she says, oh, mom, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so sad and she's crying and, and, and she says, you might die. And I said, well, Kayla, I, I could die, but if I die, I get to go and be with Jesus and live with him forever. I mean, is that so bad? That's, that's great. Right. And she says, oh yeah. That's, that's great. And so talking to her that way and knowing how I had raised them, how we had raised our kids to know that we're all going to die, right? But we're going to go with Jesus. She was better. She was definitely better. Um, I had lots of help. I had people picking them up, taking them places, that kind of thing. My husband was wonderful as well. Um, my son, Benjamin, was like four or five at the time. He probably really didn't know what was going on other than mom was probably laying around a little bit more than she does, just a little bit. Yeah. And I, I remember laying in the bed and there were numerous times that Benjamin would just rub my bald head, which by, um, for, for with the bald head, one evening, my son said, my, my husband said, hey, let's just trim your hair a little bit, right? Let's just trim it. It's coming out. I think you'll feel better about it. Let's just trim it. So it turned into being a production because my kids are filming and Cedric literally shaved my head. 
<laughs> and everybody is, and I mean, you know, a little trim and a shave. And I remember Benjamin coming up to me and holding my face. And he's like, you don't have any hair, but you still got the same face, mommy. Oh. That was, um, it was life. It was life to me. He mm -hmm. would lay in the bed and rub my bald head and just say, you're not going to die, mommy. You're not going to die. This is a four-year-old. Wow. Pray the house down at three and four and five. But, you know, so so I'm glad that I shared with them the experience. And I do believe that it has shaped them to be the young women and the young man that my kids are today. Yeah. Because they got with me and they got to see, you know, God do a wonderful thing for, for their mom and their family. Yes, yes, that is, I, so I didn't even know that part. And so that is just so refreshing for me because when I think about who they are today, like our kids do not live where we are. They right. like, <laughs> so they, yes, so they, they live other places and yes. they're doing well. And I just love that. And Benjamin is still the bishop. Yes, he, he is. aware mm -hmm. of God's heart in the process yeah. of what was yeah. going on with his mom right. and uh that he was able to encourage you that yeah. mom you're gonna be here you're not mm -hmm. gonna die mm -hmm. that right. had to be such an encouragement absolutely as a so um so this is my question like really I'm like okay so <laughs> we, we have all of the God dynamic right yes. and and so that's amazing do you ever remember a time in the process of it all that you began to question God? Like, God, serious? Like, why, why choose me mm -hmm. for this journey? Yeah. Or, God, I really can't believe you right now. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, God, are you here? Can you mm -hmm. hear my prayer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there were probably a couple times. You know, um, I, I think I was in denial a number of times through the process. And I remember when I first got the diagnosis, I probably cried every day for probably a week and a half um, until my husband's like, okay, girl, um, either you're going to fight or you're just going to give up. There's no point in crying. What you're crying for, you know, we're going to fight. And, and that was it. So, you know, got through that. I was good. Um, after I started going to the oncologist, I got a couple different um you know, recommendations, suggestions on how we best, you know, attack um, the cancer. But um, I didn't know that I was going to have to have chemo. And I was like, I don't want to have chemo. So, okay. Um, they say I have cancer. We'll get it treated. I'll do radiation. I'll be good. Get a little medicine. The day they told me I had to have chemo, my mom and dad were here. They had gone to the doctor with Cedric and I, and I left the doctor's office and I lost it. And I remember my dad saying, well, what's, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with her? My mom said she didn't want to have chemo. So then I felt like, you know, really God, I mean, okay, I, I understand that I have been given this diagnosis. I understand I have to have some surgeries. I wasn't thrilled about that either. But now, I mean, really, I got to have chemo. And so that was another point that I just felt like, why? Why? Why do I have to do that? And yeah. 
do know today that, um, and it kind of goes back to the conversation I had with the young lady that worked for me. Um, people were watching me. Yeah. I'm this woman who professes to be a Christian, a woman of God. God is with me and I'm going to be with him no matter what. I had to walk it out. Yeah. Right. And so I believe that is one of the reasons that I had to go through it because people were watching me to see how I was going to act through the process. Um, but yes, there were, there were numerous times where I, I questioned, um, I questioned God, but girl, he was faithful. He was faithful. <laughs> after six rounds of chemo of the worst possible chemo that you could have. Ask me how many times that I got sick. Did you? Zero. Wow. I never got sick. But you know, going into it, this is like people just telling you, oh, you're going to be sick. You're going to be throwing up. You're going to have fever and chill. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. Had nothing. He was with me. So my story was my story. And I would say for people today, your story is your story. You don't have to take somebody's auntie story or somebody's cousin's story. Or I remember when this happened to this person, your story is your story. And no right. matter what that story is, God's going to be with you to walk it out. Good, better, and different. He's going to be with you. You know, he's going to be with I, you. A beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> it's good. So, you know, so there, so there were many hurdles to jump throughout this process. And so as you were talking, you talked about Cedric. Cedric is Lisa Washington's husband. 30 years, 30 years. 30 years. And he is the sergeant. Yes. Oh, he is the sergeant. Yes. And I, you know, it's interesting sometimes because you, you just wonder why God put certain people together in marriages and relationships but God knows exactly what is going to happen that's ahead of us. Mm -hmm. We have no idea what tomorrow holds, mm -hmm. but he does because he holds tomorrow. Yes. And so, you know, that he would put you with a spouse that would be full of faith and say, okay, we are not going to lay down and die. We're going to fight. Right. Or right. you're going to up what what where do what do you desire mm -hmm. and so yeah. I, I love that but one of the things that you shared just kind of blew me back and we yeah. talked about this several yes. times yes <laughs> so yes people um it, it got back to you that people mm -hmm. were having conversations around well if she doesn't last through right. this then, you know, just maybe, you know, I'll be the next. Yeah, Washington yeah. He's, he's still young. He's still young. He's still handsome. I, I wonder if he would like me. It, it is amazing how people who might be in your corner are really not in your corner and why it is so important not to share everything with everybody because everybody is not for you. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I don't know that people wished the worst for me, which the worst wouldn't be to die because I'd be with Jesus, but you just don't know. You don't know what people are thinking or what they'd like to happen, but 
believe it or not, yes, people were having those conversations. Um, people that um, I thought were like-minded, like me. And so again, just because everyone goes to church, professes to be a Christian, uh, believes in the Bible, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're your fan, that they're cheering for you. And so um, with any type of thing that you're going through, it is important that you have a group of people that you know, you know, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, they're in your corner and they have your back. Yeah. And it's critically important because those are blows too that, that you may not be prepared to handle. And people will show um, their true selves um, when they're backed into a corner. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, things just get better and better. <laughs> As they say. <laughs> Right. It is. It is. Um. It, it's. It's amazing to me that people could be so insensitive yeah. in such a challenging time. You know, when you're facing uh, one of the most difficult seasons of your life, that people would almost be, you know, just writing you off. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and that is just that's that's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. Um. And you know, I when, when I when I began to uh, just kind of think about what it looked like for me from the outside looking in, I was like, I wonder have my sister, like, were you, were there ever thoughts of, am I going to make it through this? Because you had so many great highlights, like your family was there. You had great friends, um, you meals coming through, whatever it was yeah. that you needed God provided you didn't get sick with the chemotherapy mm -hmm. and so all of these different things are going on they're going well was there ever a quiet time where you were like Lord am I gonna make it through this was there ever a time of doubt or where fear really tried to overwhelm you yeah uh, yes, I, I, I would say yes, but I would say early on, you know, early on, um, there was doubt because this was new. I'd never experienced anything like this before. No one in my immediate family had experienced anything like this before. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but right. you know, um, God's word, his voice, his promises for me. So as I begin to go through the journey, I, I never, I never doubted that he would see me through. He would see me through or he would see me through. He would heal me or he would heal me. I never questioned, right? Um, what my plan was um, according to his purpose for my life. I never, I never questioned that um, once I started the journey. And I did, I had, oh my gosh, um, so much help. And so, so many people, um, I mean, I, I worked the whole time. I never took off. Like some people take off. I took off for my initial surgery, maybe a couple of weeks, but I went into the office every day. Um, when I had chemo on Friday, I'd take off. I'd be back at work Tuesday. I had my own office. Um, people brought meals. Um, people prayed for us off, often, but um, I, I didn't question his purpose and plan for me because as I mentioned, um, I would be okay or I'd be okay. I'd be healed or I'd be healed, right? And so I felt good and I felt like I had to ensure 
I felt good, so I made sure I looked good, right? And that means I got up and I got dressed. I washed my face. I put my lipstick on. You know, I did my hair. When I went to chemo, I wore my heels and my shoes and my jacket. I mean, I was cute. You know, I'm going through chemo, but I'm not going in looking like I'm going out. Because if I'm going out, I'm going out fighting. So for me, right? For me, I better look like, you know, I'm, I'm fighting. I'm, I'm in a war. I'm in a war for my life. And again, other people are watching. Other yeah. people are watching you. So, oh, you know, I'm going in with the head rag on and flip flops and all that kind. No, I'm not going in defeated. I'm going in fighting. I'm putting on my armor. So I got my shield and my sword. I got my word inside of me. And like on the outside, I'm looking like I'm getting ready to go down the runway. But hey, I'm in a fight for my life. Yeah. But <laughs> winning, period. Yes. yes. <laughs> I like it. This is so, so amazing. Um, so okay, so let's 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 talk about statistics, right? So, um, so we know that um, black women are leading in deaths where black breast cancer are where breast cancer is concerned. Yeah. But um, I learned from you that um, Caucasian women are most diagnosed. Correct. Help us to wrap our um, understanding around why those things are. Yeah. You know, that, that is a great call out. I'm glad you remembered that. And um, it is true, Caucasian women are diagnosed um, two times more, right, than African-American women. But African-American women die um, far more than our Caucasian counterparts. And a lot of that is because, you know, we don't go to the doctor. Um, we don't have our mammograms. We don't talk about our family history. We don't know our bodies. We should be doing self-exams every month, a couple times a month. You should know your body. So if something doesn't feel right, then you need to raise your hand. You need to say something. Typically, African-American women have more fibrocystic breasts anyway. So right. we have bumps and bumps and all that kind of stuff in our breasts. But you need to know when your lumps and bumps are changing or growing or, or need to be drained or whatever that is, you need to go and have that conversation. Um, so all of those factors go into play because we just have not done as good a job um, as caring for ourselves and understanding our bodies and our history. And we've got to do better. We've got to do better because sometimes you know, it is um, a little bit further along. It has progressed. Doesn't mean that Jesus can't reverse it because he can reverse everything, but we got to do our part too. We got to do our part. That's good. That's good. I, yeah, um, I, I, I hear these things so often and, you know, uh, whether it is in an office or on a call as a coach or whether it's behind the chair as a stylist, I am consistently in relationship with women. And mm -hmm. so we struggle with self-care mm -hmm. and we have a tendency to put everyone in front of us. Right. And so help, help us to understand what your self-care practices mm -hmm. look like prior <laughs> to your diagnosis and then how you had to adjust to make sure that Lisa was all right first. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> so, 
that 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 is like an area that 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 I love, and I think my girls have definitely picked it up from me. Self care. Um, but I'll talk about going through cancer because I had my mother in love here. I, I mean, I went to work, but I came home and I laid down. You know, I didn't watch a lot of foolishness on TV. I read, I listened to uh, the word. I listened to a lot of healing um, scriptures. I listened to a lot of uh, praise and worship. I filled my spirit with those kinds of things, but I, I rested a lot. You know, I didn't try to do anything because I need to take care of me. Um, even today, um, I, I love to work. I love to work. I work hard, but I play even harder. So I love massages and manicures and pedicures and going to the spa and, you know, just relaxing and yoga and all those kinds of things. And I am going to take care of me. Um, at least one day a week is going to be for me. That means I can read a book. That means I can lay down. That means I can go on a long bike ride on Saturday or Sunday, whatever that is. But I have got to take care of me because if I can't take care of me, I can't take care of anyone else. And, you know, I mentioned my girls have really taken this on, they have actually exploded in this whole new wellness culture. You know, watching what they put in their bodies, making sure they use organic skincare, doing meditation and yoga, making sure that um, they are exercising and, and keeping their weight manageable. And all those things are as a result of seeing their mom go through something that, that could or could not have been, you know, prevented but we've got to do our part. We've got to do our part. So, you know, on Saturdays, they're doing facials. Every Saturday, they're doing facials. That's their self-care. So that is critically important um, for women, uh, men too. It's, it's critically important to take care of yourself. Whatever your enjoyment is, you've got to do that for yourself to be able to help other people and to be your full and complete self for someone else. You've got to make sure that you're full and complete yourself. I love it. That, that, is, that is such wisdom. Um, can you share with the audience, um, can you share with us just a couple of nuggets as it relates to A, the person who may be directly affected by a diagnosis of breast cancer? And then two, can you help the caregivers of those who are caring for those who have been diagnosed with breast cancer as it relates to being sensitive to the needs of that person? Mm, that's good. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So to our audience, um, someone who has been given a diagnosis of, of breast cancer or any kind of diagnosis that has come to steal, kill, and destroy your purpose and destiny that God has predestined for you, I would say you are not that situation. And I would say that God has prepared you um, for this journey. He's going to be with you and he's never going to leave you or forsake you. Um, you are not whatever that um, diagnosis is, you are his and he is yours and he will see you through, okay? Mm -hmm. um, for the caregiver, I would say, oh my gosh, we, we love you and we appreciate you and we are thankful for everything that you do for us. Um, 
you know, when someone is diagnosed with something that that could be life threatening, um, people go through a lot of different emotions. And I would just ask that you pray for wisdom. I would ask that you just be a little bit more patient, um, be a little bit more empathetic and understanding because um, people, even I, you know, you, you think about things differently. You think about things day to day, right? You don't think about five years, 10 years, 15 years from now. You think about day to day. So I would just ask you to just ask for wisdom from others that may have gone through that you know, actually, you know, pray and ask for wise counsel on how you can meet that person where they are, because they, they need you. They may not um, say they need you and they may not even appreciate you, but your reward will come because of what you're doing for that person. And even though we never say it or you never feel it, we appreciate it and are thankful for you. And you are the person for the job. You are the person for the job. That's why you have been given that opportunity. That is beautiful. And I like the way you said that, that it really is an opportunity yeah. to serve and not only to serve, but to grow. Yeah. I've had my own experience with caring for my grandparents and yeah. my granddad recently died from uh, cancer. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I recognized some things about myself and I grew in some ways that were unbeknownst to me. I didn't even recognize that these things were happening in me because I just wanted to win for my grandfather. Right, so right. That was like you said, win, win or heal, heal, whether you yeah. heal in heaven or whether you heal me on earth. That's right. You know, but either way, I win. Yes. You know, as a believer. Yeah. And so I just, I want to ask that you would just pray for mm. the community of, um, of breast cancer diagnosis, survivors, caregivers alike. Yeah, absolutely. It would be my pleasure. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you for whose we are, Lord God. Amen. I pray, Lord God, on behalf of every sister, every brother, every mother, every father, every sibling, anyone that may be impacted by a dreadful um, disease, diagnosis, ailment, uh, something that has come to steal, kill, and destroy the destiny that you have placed for their lives. And we cover their situation with the blood of Jesus. Lord God, on the cross, you died not only for our peace, you died also, Lord God, for our healing, Lord God. And we stand on that, Lord God. We know, Lord God, that your word says that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Now we know weapons will be formed, but they will not prosper. And we yeah. thank you for that, Lord God. We thank you for your promises, Lord God, that you have already given to us. So I pray that you would just take hold of um, any person that may be experiencing anything, Lord God, that is not of you, and we command it to bow to the name of Jesus. 
we thank you in advance for healing, for testimonies, Lord God, for opportunities to share, Lord God, with others, the good work of Jesus Christ. And we thank you in advance, Lord God, for what you are doing, for what you have already done, and for what you will continuing to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God, and thank you, Sydney. Yes, yes. (laughs) Worthy, worthy. Yes, he is. Any final words? What, any final words? You know, thank you, Coach Lowe, for the opportunity. I forget how much I love to share, you know, my story. And so um, God is a God of everything. And so I am just thankful um, for each and every day um, for the opportunity to just help someone else along the way. And so as long as I have breath, um, I'm just thankful. You know, I'm thankful. My my dad used to say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Well, I am thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I could never repay um, all the things that God has done for me and my family. And I am just, um, just thankful for the opportunity. And I appreciate you and, and what you're doing and the work you're doing um, to the millions of people that will hear Coach Lowe. And yes. I'm just, I'm thankful for the opportunity to just be a part of your journey. So I love you, sis. I love you too. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being courageous to share your story, sometimes digging down in there and remembering the journey can be a little challenging for some. You know, it's not, it it is a time of gratitude, but it's not always easy. And so I just wanna say thank you for going at it with a happy heart. Uh, going at it with um, helping us to understand what some of the realities are that sometimes people are not talking about. Um, And, you know, some of the things that, you know, kind of threw me back, like how people be planning your life. Right. um, If if this thing takes you to heaven, you know, and what their next moves will be. And those are the kinds of things that the world is not talking about. Correct. Correct. You know, so I I am just so grateful for your your authentic transparency uh, to share with the world in the way that you have. So thank you so much for being a part of this um, journey of navigating life with Coach Loke podcast. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. I pray that there was something said that will penetrate your heart, that will allow you to look at God in a different light, to look at your circumstance as a win-win, and that you never lose in Christ. You never lose because he is always with you. And Lisa so eloquently expressed that. So to the lovely Lisa, we thank you. To the amazing audience, I thank you. I love you all. Thank you so much for joining us and have an amazing evening. Good night. Good night, everyone.